Welcome to Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. You've tuned in to hear compelling conversations on hot topics and trends with law enforcement professionals and personalities from across Canada. And now, a message from our sponsor, Wilfrid Laurier University. With Laurier's 100% online degree programs, you can earn your undergraduate or graduate degree from a top-ranked university with an academic and institutional tradition that is over 100 years old. Choose from a Bachelor of Arts in Policing, a Bachelor of Arts in Criminology and Policing, Master of Public Safety, and five graduate diplomas in the areas of Emergency Management, National Security, Countering Crime, Border Strategies, and GIS and Data Analytics. Transfer credits apply for basic constable training towards a BA in policing. For more information, visit www.laurierpublicsafety.ca. Hello, Blue Line, the podcast subscribers. We hope you're doing well, and welcome back to another episode of Blue Line, the podcast. I'm Brittany Schroeder, editor of Blue Line magazine. Today, we are joined by Superintendent Trina McSween from the Hamilton Police Service. We will be chatting about her career from her first day as a recruit all the way up to being a superintendent and the challenges she's had to overcome and the importance of increasing gender diversity in law enforcement. Welcome and thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you very much for inviting me onto the show. Very excited about having this conversation. I'm very excited as well. Uh, so jumping right in, can you tell me what attracted you to the law enforcement profession? So it's, it's actually a bit of a funny story. So back when I was uh, 17 years old, I had decided I wanted to become a teacher. Um, but uh, my sister, I have a twin sister, identical twin, funny enough, and she um, submitted an essay to uh, the Hamilton Police Service for chief of the day, and she won. So part of her celebration was a ceremony here at the Central Station in the building that I'm standing in right now in the gymnasium. And she got to read her essay. So my whole family came down. So it was with my mom and my dad. And yeah, and I I remember walking into the gym and there was a female officer there and she had a white shirt on and she had a bunch of gold stuff on her shoulder. I I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that she looked super important with all (laughs) that gold emblems on her shoulder. And I was just taken aback. So I ended up having a conversation with her. Her name was Deputy Chief Christine Silverberg. She was our first and only female Deputy Chief that we've had here uh, in the Hamilton Police Service. And she took a few minutes to talk to me. And I I left there knowing that I did not want to be a teacher anymore. I wanted to be a police <laughs> officer just because of that conversation. So wow. it's funny because I walked out and I said to my mom, I just I said, Mom, I'm not going to be a teacher anymore. I want to be a police officer. So she's like, okay, Why? I said, because I want to work for the service that is so progressive that they have a female deputy chief. And uh, yeah, so I started with Peel, but I knew this is where I wanted to come because it was my home and where I grew up as a teenager specifically. So um, luckily enough, I was patched over in 2001 and I've been here ever since. That's amazing. It's so cool that something like that could just like change your entire like plan for your future. I mean, I, I knew I knew I wanted to be a teacher at some point in my life and then I realized, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm good with kids, but I don't know if I want to like see them like every single day unless they're my own. So here I am as an editor now. So I totally understand that. But that is so cool that, you know, you saw someone who had 
progressed to that point in their life and like as a female as well and like look at where you are now um which we'll get to in a second but um, <laughs> um my next question would be you know what kind of school and like training did you go through to get to where you are now so uh after i graduated from high school i went to mohawk college and i completed my law um, and security diploma and I was lucky enough to get hired shortly after graduating from Mohawk. And then I started with Peel. But throughout my career, um, continuing education is very important. So I've uh, been able to take courses internally, but doing courses externally is also important. Mm -hmm. So um, I've taken a lot of courses through Athabasca University. So I do distance learning and online learning because it, it fits with my schedule, especially mm -hmm. being a mom of two busy teenage girls. <laughs> um, yes, very, very busy. <laughs> Um, but I also, it's interesting because I have an opportunity to take courses that are of interest to me. So just recently I finished, um, Indigenous Canada, which is a course that is offered through the University of Alberta and it was cool. hands down the best course I've ever taken. So, um, yeah, continuing education, it's a big part of when you get on the job and then following it through, because I just, I find satisfaction in that. Mm -hmm. And even when I was, uh, with my first pregnancy, I finished three courses. So, you know, I would put the baby to bed and I just... It's just something that I enjoy. So awesome. Um, yeah, taking that on. So it was good. Awesome. Kept me sane too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I can definitely yeah. understand that. Um, so starting at Peel and then working over to Hamilton Police Service, you know, what roles did you have before you got to your newest role as superintendent? So um, just like any officer, you start in uniform patrol, and then I was lucky enough to work for um, some commanders down uh, the Division 20, uh, which is funny because they ended up being Deputy Chief uh, Ken Leanhurst and uh, Ch was Chief Gert now, but he was uh, the superintendent, the inspector back then. And, and I had an opportunity to do some projects down, them, down there for, uh, for those commanders. And then I was awarded a position in the court branch. So I've worked courts, uh, investigative services in our criminal domestic and criminal detectives office. Mm -hmm. I'm a public order unit commander, I'm a member of the ground search team, training branch. There's just so many opportunities. We have a we have a tagline here. It's called one career endless opportunities. And that That's could cool. not be more true mm -hmm. because there's just so many things you can do. And I've been lucky to work on the operations side and on the support side of mm -hmm. policing. So I've been able to see a lot of different roles and a lot of different positions within within our police service specifically. So it's really benefited me um, as I've gone along through my career. Yeah, that's amazing. And I guess with the role that you have and like being able to like see so many different sides of policing, like I guess no day is really ever the same for you guys, right? Like it's always changing, always, always different. 100%. It's, <laughs> it's funny because even where the division that I'm in now, the community mobilization division, I've never worked in any of these areas but because there's supports to other areas within the organization, I obviously have a little bit of understanding, but I'm so happy to be here because it, then it's something new. So like, I feel like I've started this whole new chapter in my career and I'm 24 years in, so I'm excited to be here. And, and if they'd asked me where I wanted to go, I would have said here, so I'm glad they didn't ask me because I might not have ended up here. <laughs> this is usually the way it works in policing, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, loving, I'm loving the division that I'm in right now. I've got a great team of people, so it's awesome. That's so awesome. And now, having heard that uh, you've got 24 years under your belt, congratulations, that's amazing. Thank you. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the challenges you've had to face throughout your career? I know before the podcast, uh, we were emailing back and forth, and you were telling me about a story from your first day as a recruit. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's 
It's funny because it's a story that um, I, I've only shared one other time, um, but I think it's important because I think it's an important message um, for other officers, specifically female officers and persons of color. So I got hired when I was 21. I was one of the youngest people in, in my class and I felt that I had earned my my chair in that room that day on December 29th, 1997. As I said, <laughs> I started with Peel. And the beginning of the day, they go around the class and you introduce yourself, you talk about your education, volunteer work and your age and things like that. Mm -hmm. So after that, I was still flying high the fact that I, you know, I've got my dream job and I'm at the water fountain. And this male recruit that I hadn't noticed because our class was huge, it was 64 people. I hadn't noticed it at this point. He said to me, like, I can't believe they hired you and you're only 21. So I was kind of taken aback by the comment. So I said, said, yeah, well, you know, I've worked really hard to get here and I, I feel that I, I've earned my seat. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know what else to say because I was just so taken aback by this yeah. comment. And he turned to me and said, well, the only reason you got hired is because you're Black and a female. And I just stood there, stunned, and he walked away. And that's literally the only time I ever spoke to him. I, I don't really remember even what he looks like. I could just kind of see what he's wearing because it's been burned into my memory. <laughs> and uh, I walked back into the classroom and I sat down. And that's when it hit me because I thought, oh, my gosh. Who else in this room thinks that? And the next question I thought is, is it true? So I'd, right. I would say if, if I had to pick my biggest challenge, it would be that I allowed that self-doubt to get in my way and just cause noise in my own head for probably the first 15 years of my career. Right. I was very conscious after that comment for, as I said, for the probably the first 15 years, not to try to bring any attention to the fact that I was black or a female, which is pretty ridiculous when I think about it now, <laughs> but I didn't want, yeah, I just, I just wanted to be one of the boys. I just wanted to fit in. I just want to be one of the squad. I didn't want any attention or right. anything drawn to that. And uh, a couple examples of that is I was approached to be, I was approached by a member of the Ontario Women in Law Enforcement Committee, OWL. We have a lot of reps here in Hamilton. And she asked me to become a member of OWL and I wanted nothing to do with it. And the same thing was asked, I was given some tickets for an ABLE dinner. Association of Black Law Enforcers, and I wanted nothing to do with it because I didn't want to be associated with my own gender and my race. And I, I, I think right. back, and I'm literally shaking my head because I can't believe that I allowed the words of someone I didn't even know to impact me for so long. Yeah. And then I finally realized that, no, you are a woman, you are a person of color, you're different, and you need to embrace it. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was a real aha moment for me because I thought I never, ever want any other female or male to be in that situation and allow someone that had no impact on their career or their future to impact my career, my future. Yeah. And I must, must say that that recruit didn't even make it through police college. He only oh. lasted four weeks. So Peel Regional oh. Police, you're good. He does not work there. <laughs> but, and it was funny because I think I'm doing okay for myself. So, hey, the guy at the fountain, I don't know where he is right now, but. <laughs> Maybe he's watching this right now. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Well, that I'm thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I whoever said that, come on, like, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but speaking of where you are now, I mentioned this in our my little intro, but you were just appointed superintendent of Hamilton Police Service. Congratulations, first of all, thank you. Um, thank you. and I did, uh, I, I did a little research and it was also mentioned by you, like. Uh, you were only like the fourth woman to hold this position at the Hamilton Police Service, and you're the first person of color. That is such a huge milestone. 
Um, I would love to know how it felt when you were appointed this position and, you know, what it means to you, what do you think it means to your community, like anything like that. Yeah, so um, it's a really proud moment for me and my family, like the the gravity and the responsibility of this promotion is not, not lost on me. And the reason being is we only have seven superintendents for um, 1,200 plus uh, members, both sworn and civilian. So mm-hmm. we're a medium-sized police service. So to get to this rank, I feel very, very fortunate to be here. Yeah. And if someone had asked me when I got on the job, I would, I thought maybe a surgeon if I'm lucky. So <laughs> I think that I, uh, I think I've, I've, um, I've done okay so far and I'm Definitely. very proud of, yeah, I think I'm, I'm proud of that. And I'm really proud for my mom and my dad specifically. My dad passed last year and he always, oh, every, if I got promoted, he's like, okay, what's the next one train? He'd always say that to me. So um, yeah, I know that he's looking down and proud of me and his of daughter course, for, for yeah. getting to this level. Yeah. Um, and for me, when, it, when you talk about the community, it's so, it's so interesting because as you get along in your career, you realize how things impact your, the community and, and promotions and recruiting the right people in, in the door of our police service, both on the sworn and the civilian side. And um, I was asked a few years ago to go to Cathedral High School and help mentor some, um, specifically at the time it was uh, female students, mm-hmm. but then, it, then the initiative grew. And it was because the students had gone to their teacher and said, listen, we'd like to hear from a, a black female officer. So can you find one? So mm-hmm. they reached out and I was able to go and then I've gone there four years in a row and now I take other black female officers because I'm such a big believer that if you can see it, you can be it. Oh, so if I'm yeah. standing up in front of the class and I went to high school in Barton, just up the mountain, just 50 minutes away from where we're standing in Cathedral, that if I'm standing here, you can be here too and we want you to be part of the team. So that's such a, it's such a feel good moment for me because it is about the community and in the Police Services Act, I know a lot of officers already know this, but it says that we we shall be representative of the community we serve. So it's not something we can talk about, it's something we need to do. So mm-hmm. it's really important that my promotion, if it inspires someone to, to walk in the door, just like Deputy Chief Christine Silverberg's inspired me, then that's a good thing. And I think I'm gonna take that as a win, so. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know uh, you're mentioning to me before um, that you are part of a mentoring program in Hamilton. Uh, is that the same uh, mentoring program that you just mentioned, or is it also another one? No, um, so that one's that one's different. This one is uh, with regards to just um, high school students and, and giving them the tools and the advice that they need if they are exploring policing down the road. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the internal mentoring program that we have, um, Back in 2015, I had just been promoted to staff sergeant mm-hmm. and I went on a leadership course. And part of that course was writing a business case. So um, at the time of interest to me was with regards to female mentoring, because cool. I recognized that I was very lucky that I had people, men and women in my corner, supporting me to get to that rank at the time. But not everyone has that. And, and I wondered why. And then when I looked at it a little bit deeper, I thought, we're not really doing too well at the rank of staff surgeon and above within our service. So this is back in 2015. Um, So I wanted to look into that a little bit further. So my research basically revealed that we were, we, when I say we, the HPS is, (laughs) was completely on par with, we had 22% female membership for sworn officers and we had 22% sergeants. Okay. We're good. So we're good. But at the staff surgeon level, it completely basically dropped off the map. And even more concerning to me was I was one of seven women at the rank of staff surgeon and above, and I was going to be the only person in 2022 
if no one else got promoted. Right. So like if we hadn't had that conversation back then, the situation would be because all those women are actually gone now. I'm the only ones oh, still wow. here that was part of that group. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, with the exception of one staff sergeant who's going to retire probably in the next couple of years. <laughs> but it was important to to see that because it was like, whoa, we need to do something. We need to do something now. So mm-hmm. um, kudos to the management team because when I brought the report back and um, I brought it to, at the time, Deputy Chief Ken Weatherall, he said, wow, we need to do something. And the biggest piece that I took away from that was that it wasn't necessarily that the women who were putting their name in for promotion weren't being supported. It was the fact that we didn't have women putting their name in in order to be promoted. So that was the question as to why. We've got this great pool of sergeants, but they are not seeking higher levels of promotion. I, right. And I didn't understand why. So we needed to get and in, look into that a little bit further, mm-hmm. um, which we did. And um, <clears throat> another part of it too was when we, you know, I anecdotally went out there and said, okay, tell me why you're not putting your name in. And they said, it, it's a lot. Like I'm balancing childcare, I'm balancing right. elder care. I have all these other things I need to do to get promoted. At, and I just don't have anyone in my corner supporting me, telling me how to get it all done. Right. So I don't profess to have all the answers to that, but I am a mother of two and I was able to provide that perspective. And two of my friends, my dear friends, who are also um, uh, completing this uh, mentoring program with me, uh, Inspector Robin Abbott and Detective Sergeant uh, Andrea Torrey, same thing. They have doing different perspectives with regards to their backgrounds and where they work. So we have had phenomenal success. And I, I really want to see this isn't just Trina, Robin and Andrea. This is obviously, um, I would say, uh, uh, it's not a moment, it's a movement because mm-hmm. what happens is it's infectious, right? When you see females getting promoted and you see more females being at the staff surgeon level than other females, like, you know what, once again, you see it, you can be it. So we've gone from 14% female staff surgeons in 2015, and now we're sitting at 34%, which is incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's it's so amazing because um, we pull from the staff surgeon pool for the command level, so inspector and superintendent. So that's really important to have that um, group of women who are potentially seeking higher levels of promotion. So I'm something I'm very proud of, and I know we will continue to have those conversations on how we can get more women interested in, in higher levels because we need to have them at, at the table because we bring different perspectives. Mm-hmm. It's funny because just to circle back to something you said about being the fourth woman and the first person of color, I have to be honest, I um, I was not comfortable with all of the uh, attention that at the time of my promotion was being given. I, I didn't like it. Right. Uh, and I remember my sister, she gave me a slap in the face basically <laughs> not, <laughs> not you know aggressively or yeah. hypothetically what's the word i'm looking for um and she said uh get used to it and it's not about <laughs> you and i said well what do you mean it's not about me and she said this is about the women that will come after you yeah. it's about the people of color who will come after you you're creating a path so they know that they are welcome at the table they should be at the table so like just embrace it for what it is and if it makes you uncomfortable, you think about how you had a conversation with Deputy Chief Christine Silverberg over 30 years ago, and it's impacted you to this day. So you need to be that inspiration for others. So yeah. when, when she said it to me that way, I was like, okay, now I get it. So <laughs> um, yeah, I do. And, I, and I'm proud of it for, for all the reasons that I've already, already spoken about. But if we, can, if we can look to the future and, you know, the percent of which are, are women before I leave here is sitting at 30%. 
to be amazing. Yeah. Be absolutely amazing. We're sitting at 26%, so we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's amazing. Your sister is so right. Like, she's so smart. <laughs> it's so true. It's, you know, it's such a big milestone for you, but it's it's also so much about all the women that will come after as well. And, you know, just like you said, see if you see it, you know, and you can believe in it if you see it. And it's just, you know you can do it. And all of these people are going to see that you did it. So, you know, why can't I do it? Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Like we, we've had women in policing here in Hamilton for 62 years. Like that's a long time to only have four female superintendents. So we need to find out why. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I said, a lot of it is because females weren't seeking higher levels of promotion. So I know we're making small steps towards change and uh, it's exciting. I'm really excited to see what the future holds. Yeah. And I know you were telling me before that, you know, one of your, you know, personal missions is to, you know, increase the gender diversity within policing. And you just spoke a lot about, you know, getting uh, women into higher ranking positions. Do you want to speak on that a little bit more? Like, is it also, you know, trying to get more women just to like come into the profession, you know, from wanting to choose this profession over another, you know, coming in as a recruit, um, anything like that? Yeah. So all of those things, but then also once we, um, once they get in the door is looking at positions where typically it's male dominated and Mm. a, a great example is our tactical team. Right. So in the history of our tactical team, we've only ever had two women. And it's funny, just today, if you look on our Hamilton Police Twitter, it shows the very first woman, because it's um, October and we're recognizing Women's History Month, yeah. recognizing uh, Sergeant Mary Sullivan, who's our first member of the, the tactical team. So um, in 2020, I had the opportunity to go as the inspector and support services. And I initiated a mentoring program exclusively for women who were interested in um, a position on our emergency response unit. We call it our ERU. So, because when I when I looked back, we hadn't had a female apply to be on the TAC team for 14 years. Wow. So the question is, is why? Like, we, I, I can look around. I can see in the gym, we've got these strong, fit females who I have no doubt will be able to do the job and do it well. Yeah. So why, why aren't they considering this role? And is it because it's like the whole, you know, back in high school, you're like, I can't sit at that table because no one at that table looks like me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so if that's the mindset or what is it? So... When I, when I spoke to some of, the, some of the women, I said, you know, give it to me straight. What's going on? And they're like, we want to know that we're able to complete the testing in a comfortable atmosphere um, and know that we can, we can get through this. And, and it's just more getting over their own challenges and hurdles in their own head. Mm-hmm. So we basically had uh, two sessions in the gym where we invited 14 women. They came on, they put the heavy vest on, and they did the exact testing that is required for the tactical um, team here in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away because these women, they just didn't they just didn't run through the course. They killed it. <laughs> so it just showed them. It's like, no, ladies, you can get this done, right? So it was very impressive. And for the first time in 14 years, we had two females apply for the last posting for a year U team. So awesome. it's things like that where we just, we have to think outside the box and provide those opportunities so women who are interested in the tag team, for example, feel comfortable in applying and feel like that they are um, welcome to be a part of the team because they are. It's just, as I said, it's just sometimes it's just a mindset thing, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's uh, that. And then the mentoring program here um, at work, it involves a lot of different things. It involves preparing for promotion interviews. It talks about 
even if you're just thinking of trying to get a position, like um, canine's another example. Mm. We've only ever had one female canine officer. Oh, really? And yeah, so it's those are the things where if you look and you just see it's it's just men in that unit, they may feel that I, I don't know if I would fit in and I'm using right. bunny quotes, but, <laughs> and, and that's not the, sometimes it's not the case, you yeah. know, we're, we welcome both men and women to positions all over this organization, but making sure that we have that diversity and that different perspective in all levels um, throughout our organization is extremely important. So um, we're making, we're making progress. So it's good. It's, it's really, really good. I'm excited for the future, as I said. Mm-hmm. And just something that po- popped into my head, you know, um, kind of like when we were talking about earlier, you know, seeing, um, like you in this position and people will be able to see themselves a little bit easier. I, it's not policing, but it just popped into my head, like Kamala Harris as VP of, mm-hmm. you know, the United States. Like, you know, I, when that happened, I was like, oh my God, do you see all the little girls that are just like, it's in their heads now that they could be vice president of the United States, maybe even president. So it just like, I, I kind of like relate it back to this situation because it probably is the same. <laughs> and it, it's funny you say that because I remember seeing, um, like a quote that she is probably actually, I can see her because she's wearing her white outfit. So I think it was, I don't know if it was the inauguration, yeah. but she said, her mom said, um, you may be the first, but you're not going to be the, make sure that you're not the last. Yes. So those words really stick with me as well. Cause I'm like, yeah, I know I'm going to be the first, but I definitely will not be the last. No. And, and if I, I don't just want to make a path, I want to make a lane way for people after me to come through. And, and I know our leadership team here in Hamilton is extremely supportive of that because you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta answer the hard questions in order to make progress and be uncomfortable a little bit. So we mm-hmm. have those conversations and um, and we're doing well. We're doing well. So yeah, it's it's all good because it's as I said, um, the mentoring program isn't just about the three of us, the three women. It's about all like from the chief all the way down, um, understanding what needs to be done mm-hmm. in order to encourage women and people of color in order to to seek seek different. Um, positions or roles within an organization. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Is, is there anything in addition um, to increasing gender diversity? Like as a superintendent, like you're really hoping, like, you know, it's a it's a goal of yours or there's something you want to change. Like, is there anything like with your new position that that has brought that on? It, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I, I only arrived here in May. Mm-hmm. So I probably have bit more to answer that in about a year yeah (laughs) Um, but uh our new chief also um got appointed um, shortly before I actually got promoted Mm -hmm. and he has a lot of visions for my division specifically and a lot of projects that we want to he wants to get off the ground Mm -hmm. um they're bold visions that will will increase um community safety and expansion of our crisis response branch so there's things that um my team and I are working towards implementing so that's really exciting for the future um, and then probably in a, in about a year, now that I've kind of absorbed this role, I'll take a look at um, any efficiencies that I could that I can find. But um, yeah, right now I'm just uh, plugging away at uh, the projects that are on my on my desk. So the <laughs> on my desk there's a lot of paper. Um, but yeah, in a year or so, I think I'll I'll, I'll have my feet wet, and then I'll know what uh, what I want to do moving forward when it comes to CMD or that's the acronym for my division. So awesome. Maybe I'll have to check back in a year then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been amazing. Is, is there any other topics that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up today? Yeah, I just want to encourage anyone who's interested in pursuing a career with, um, with the Hamilton Police Service to visit our website. We've got a lot of information on there. Um, so 
Uh, you can look at not just SOAR positions or civilian positions as well and our cadet positions as well. So just uh, to visit there and if you have any additional questions, um, the HR um, unit is linked. There's an email in there and they will get back to you with any questions that, uh, that you may have. So that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so, so much for, for joining me today and for sharing all of this insight into the law enforcement industry. Thanks, Brittany. I appreciate it. Thank you. And to our subscribers, we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Blue Line, the podcast. Be sure to check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay up to date on all of your Canadian policing news at blueline.ca. And thank you to everyone who listened. With Laurier's 100% online degree programs, you can earn your undergraduate or graduate degree from a top-ranked university with an academic and institutional tradition that is over 100 years old. Choose from a Bachelor of Arts in Policing, Bachelor of Arts in Criminology and Policing, Master of Public Safety, and five graduate diplomas in the areas of Emergency Management, National Security, Countering Crime, Border Strategies, and GIS and Data Analytics. Transfer credits apply for basic constable training towards a BA in Policing. For more information, visit www.laurierpublicsafety.ca. Thank you for joining Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line. Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. 